This is James, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Uh, Lord, uh, even as Sue's just reminded us at the end of that reading, this is the word of the Lord. That you are a God who speaks. Uh, you have things to say, and you have things to say to us right now. And as uh, unless our ears were clogged, we know uh, you have things to say to us about how we use our tongues and our words. And Lord, uh, I pray uh, that you would help us lean in uh, to what you have for us, Lord. Um, and that we would hear your truth, uh, that you'd convict and guide and heal and comfort our hearts, uh, Lord. As words definitely have power. Uh, So be powerful now uh, through this word in your name. Amen. All right. Have a seat. So uh, we've been in a series in the wisdom literature uh, of the Old Testament, primarily Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And if you've been here, you realize, wow, we're in James, which is towards the end of the New Testament. Um, But like uh, Proverbs, James is is widely considered... uh, the Proverbs of the New Testament. Uh, like Proverbs, like Ecclesiastes, James is really concerned uh, with the people that he's, he's teaching to about the reality of actual uh, faith, not just stated faith. He's, he's concerned about what does your faith look like um, when it's actually working itself out in your life and in your relationships. And so faith at work in our lives and the fruit that it bears, that's what James is about. It's very similar to what Proverbs is about. And so uh, there are three things that I think James uh, really hammers home here uh, in, this, in this whole chapter, uh, really on the tongue, that will help us prepare to come to the table. So the three things I want us to content, or consider is the first is this, the power of the tongue. Okay. Uh, secondly, the heart behind the tongue. And then thirdly, um, having our hearts healed so we have healed tongues, okay? Healed hearts and healed tongues. So the power of the tongue, the heart behind the tongue, 
and then healed hearts and healed tongues, okay? The power of the tongue. We need wisdom with how we use our tongues because James is painting a profoundly uh, true picture of the reality that words have incredible power in our lives, don't they? And James is warning us, he's, he's mostly talking from uh, a negative perspective uh, of the, the dangerous power in many ways that our tongues can have. Uh, he starts off by warning, uh, many of you shouldn't become teachers because you know that all who teach will be judged more strictly, which should make me really afraid as someone who does it every week. Uh, But I would encourage you, uh, especially if you have a computer and the internet uh, these days, which all of you do, uh, in many ways we're all teachers, aren't we? We're all teachers uh, in our relationships. We're all teachers in our marriages. We're all teachers with our children. We're all teachers in our vocations. We are all communicating with words all the time. And James thinks this is so important. Proverbs talks about, you can find about 90 Proverbs that speak directly to the use of the tongue. I'd encourage you to go read through Proverbs and look for it. But James gives a whole chapter of his five chapters to saying, if you want to really know what a transformed and a gospelly transformed faith living heart looks like, all I have to do is look at how you use your mouth. We're all communicating with words all the time, an average American speaks 700 times a day. Think about that. Basically what I just said is, is you do that more than anything else you do in your life, is use your words. So in Colossians 3 says, in, you know, in anything that you do, in word or in deed, glorify the Lord. Word and deed, I mean, in many ways, words are deeds, but the fact that he separated that, he's saying, man, words matter. They bring glory to God or they don't. There's power in our words. And we're all communicating with words all the time. And what we're doing with our words, what we're teaching with our words, what we're showing with our words, showing others in our lives is what we value, what matters to us, who matters to us. They teach I hope, if you have taught your children this one, take this one back. Sticks and stones, right? The old adage says, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, that, that's the most folly-filled statement we could ever give our, our kids. What Scripture says is this, uh, sticks and stones uh, may... Break my bones, and my bones will heal in time. But words, they penetrate deep into the places of my heart and mind. And they can hurt and haunt and shape my life for the rest of my life. Or they can heal. They can do both. You guys know my love of the film Inception, right? Which in many ways is a film about words. It's about getting a word into the, into the deep psyche of a person's mind. And what, what does Cobb famously say in that film? He says, an idea is like a virus. It's resilient. It's highly contagious. Even the smallest seed of an idea 
can grow. It can grow to define you or destroy you. The power of words. Because that, that initial word, that idea, it multiplies, right? Words are dynamic. They're not static. They're pregnant. They give birth to more words, to inner narratives in our hearts and our minds, right? Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words are like arrows They get fired right into the very marrow of our bones. And that wound that gets created, whether it's a a, a horrible wound or a wound of love, it opens us up for either further similar words, right? It opens us up to further truth. If if I get, get the truth put in there, it opens me up to further truth. But if I get lies, if I get hurt, if I get shame, if I get hate, if those are the words... I will begin to listen for the things that affirm what I've heard from those initial words. That's all I can hear. How much of your life has been shaped by the words that either have been said or not been said to you? Words that you wanted to hear and you needed to hear that never got spoken to you or words that that did get spoken to you you know, Ricky Bobby, right? I haven't quoted that in a while. If you ain't first, you're last. Remember, he's out there in the highway with his dad. Dad, you told me that. He's like, man, Ricky, I was high when I said that. He spent his whole life, right? Defined by those words. When I was in sixth grade, my two best friends, who I will not name, because this goes on to the internet, uh, I had a stain on one of my teeth that it basically looked like brownie fudge on one of my teeth. And it was a birthmark that I guess I have had since birth, but it kind of emerged later. Um, I don't know. Uh, It should have gotten taken care of, I guess, by a dentist, but it didn't. And um, my two best friends named my tooth. And they named it expletive tooth, right? Think brown (laughs) tooth. Okay, everybody's minds are there. Right? And they called me that for about a month. Uh, Maybe a little bit longer. I cried myself to sleep every night for weeks on end. My mother pleaded with me, tell me what happened, tell me what happened. And finally I said, so and so called my tooth this. Right? So she went and found that kid's mom and That kid got in trouble, I guess, but it's painful. Let me tell you, that that statement about my tooth, it was bigger than my tooth because guess what it began to teach me at a very early age? Um, How I look is what matters. How I look is what gets you love, what gives me value, right? Right? Like, think about how many body image issues exist in this room as a result of words. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18, the tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 15, 
The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Words have power. Words have power in our lives. Power over those who hear them. But they also have power over those who say them, right? So those are words that are spoken to me, but the words that I speak have power over me too. Words in Proverbs, words in James here, they're oftentimes compared to fruit or to food. It's kind of an interesting thing to compare them to. Proverbs 18 8 says this, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Should make you hungry for brownies when I say that. They go down to the inmost parts. What's he saying there? That when I gossip, when I use my mouth to gossip, I'm actually baking a little pan of soul brownies, right? And I go away when I gossip and I feed on those things and it goes down to my inmost parts. How does gossip feed us? Like when we say sentences like this, can you believe about so-and-so? Talking about someone else's sin or someone else's shortcomings, what does that do? It actually boosts my own view of myself, doesn't it? Isn't that what we're doing when we gossip? Gossip is boasting. And that's what James says here. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body and it makes great boasts. So his words have impact on the, on the hearer, but they have impact on us, right? What I say has impact on me. It feeds me. That's why Jesus says in the moment of his greatest temptation, bar the cross when he's in the desert, right? And Satan's tempting him. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is he saying? He's saying words. They're not just words. They're bread. They're true spiritual food. They're food for our nourishment or our destruction. They either give us identity or they destroy our identity. Because we were made, God created us in his image. We were made to be told who we are. You don't know who you are until something outside of you tells you who you are. Not to tell myself, I mean, that's one of the, the busted parts of, I think, in some ways, modern psychology. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, what you think about you, but where do you get what you think about you? And what happens when you break your own standards for you? Whose words work then? I'm made to be told who I am. I need those words. It's like asking, you ever try to put sunscreen on your back? And there's just parts of your back you can't get to, right? Unless you're one of those people who's a contortionist. I need to ask somebody. Now you're all thinking about contortionists. I need to ask somebody else, right? I need you to apply that to me, right? To the places I can't reach. To be told who I am. Those words, they're either bread or they're swords. You know, it's been about words. I, I think you could argue this from the Bible. It's been about words from the beginning, right? The very beginning of the Bible, what do you see? God spoke, right? He's speaking creation and life into existence. Boom. Let there be. This is good, right? And what happened in the garden? 
We would call that spiritual warfare if we're awake, right? If we're woke. Spiritual warfare in the garden was what? Satan coming in and challenging God's words, right? And he's substituting, offering replacement words. And what is Satan called? He's called the father of lies. He's called the accuser. He's called the deceiver. All of those things, lies, accusations, deceiving, they take words, right? Like one of the ways that I can know and you can know that you're spiritually under attack, that spiritual warfare is happening in your life, is when the enemy gets me to say what he thinks in my own voice. When I'm saying out loud and in the recesses of my own mind the things that he says about me, the things that he says are true. Because even though we may speak 700 times a day, you speak infinitely more inside of your own mind because nobody speaks to you more than you do, right? Nobody speaks to you more than you do. What words are you repeating? How do you use the tongue of your mind? Is it a tree of life or is it crushing your spirit? Whose words are you repeating? Here, here are the words of the enemy. You're worthless. You're broken beyond repair. God's not good. He's holding out. He's forgotten you. No one loves me. I'm all alone. If those are the words that are rattling around your head, those aren't his words. Those are the words of the father of lies. So if the tongue has such power, I'm asking you guys to consider how do you use your tongue? How do you use it? It'd be a good exercise this week to ask somebody honestly, tell me honestly how my words or the withholding of my words is affecting you. Somebody that you do life with. <laughs> Someone's shaking their head like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Would they say sarcasm? That's your primary way of communicating with me? Which oftentimes is just sadness or anger hiding out. Would they say gossip? Would they say critical? Or would they say words of life? Building up. You celebrate the image of God instead of shame the image of God like it says here in James. You know, Hebrews 3 says, encourage one another daily so that you may not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. By sin's words, it's deceit. I know for a fact that, that my own children are starved for my words of encouragement. Because I'm starved for them, right? Are you passive-aggressive? One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 18, 19, that says, um, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Go sit on that one for a while. 
You're shooting flaming arrows of death through your humor. I was just joking. You know, as Americans, and this is a beautiful part of our country, but we're, we're deeply concerned with freedom of speech, right? But as, as Christians, as those called to walk and bear the image of God to man, Christ in us, the hope of glory, um, are we concerned with the freedom of our speech or with the wisdom of our words? Am I concerned with my rights to say something or what's right to say? Because Proverbs 29 says that only fools give full vent to their spirit. That my right to give full vent may be the foolish thing I could ever do. James calls it a rudder, right? That steers the ship. He talks about the tongue and he says it needs a bridle, it needs a bit. He says that it's a spark. It sets a great forest on fire. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. You hear that? It just doesn't do corruption. It actually lends to the corruption of us. And it sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Are you lighting your world on fire? With your tongue? Or are you building, maybe another way to think of it, because uh, fires aren't all bad, right? Are you building appropriate campfires with your words? Think about sitting around the fire with friends, right? Sitting around the fire with your family. Are you building appropriate campfires with your words for those to gather around and warm themselves on the truth? Because your words are like logs on that fire, right? What size of fire, what type of fire are you building with your tongue? power of the tongue. Let's talk for a second about the heart behind the tongue, okay? Because if words have such power, and I think James is making this case, and hopefully I just made that case at least briefly here this morning, then we should say this. Um, it's very important then where do my words come from, right? What's the heart behind the tongue? Because our words come out of somewhere, right? James says it like this, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? What's he saying there? He's saying that those words come out of some well, right? Jesus says in Matthew 12, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I want to know what's going on in your heart, all I have to do is listen to what you're saying. If I want to know what's going on in your heart, all I have to do is listen to your self-talk. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart because everything you do flows out of it. All of your words flow out of your heart. So be careful, guard it. What words get in? Because whatever words get in are the other words that are going to come out, right? So it's important for us to understand because, man, this could be really easy to just think, well, man, just kind of buckle down, man. Get, get, get better at being a better person with your mouth. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that, that words do have power, but words are always a heart problem. It's always a heart issue. James says it here like this. 
He says, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or ships. They're large, but they're driven by strong winds, but they're steered by a very small rudder wherever a pilot wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. It makes great boasts. Why does he go there? He's saying the tongue's powerful. Look how it directs your life. And what does it do? It makes great boasts. And if you think about it, a tongue in and of itself, it can't actually boast, can it? But it's the vehicle in which our boasting makes its appearance, right? And what is boasting? Boasting is, is pride. Boasting is, is, and we boast through gossip. We boast through cursing other people. Boasting and cursing are two sides of the same coin. The tongue is where our heart makes its appearance, And shows itself. And so we don't fundamentally, if we're going to heal and have healed tongues, James is painting a picture here and he's saying the way to a healed tongue is a healed heart. Wisdom teaches us that if you change the heart, if you affect the heart, if you affect the affections, the tongue will follow suit. Because word problems fundamentally are divided heart problems. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with the same tongue, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. Brothers, this should not be. Praising and cursing. He's saying this shouldn't be. And he's saying, do you understand that it's from whatever well you're drinking from is the well from which you're speaking from. And so the only thing, I think James is saying this, I certainly think the whole Bible says this, definitely the wisdom literature. The only thing that's going to heal our hearts and therefore heal the wounds that we have been dealt with by the words from others. You know, you've maybe heard Someone say, if you've been hurt in relationship, you're only going to heal in relationship, right? If you've been hurt by words, you're only going to be healed by words. And those words, they actually can give us hearts that have been different words for others, right? I need greater words than the words that have been spoken to me. The words of Christ to us. That's what we come to feed on when we come to this table. Because there's a, there's a we, we could easily miss this and just think of it as, as just self-will and discipline. But he says there, you can tame all sorts of animals, all sorts of things have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. So if you think this is about effort, you're missing it. No human being can do it. My tongue doesn't need to be tamed. It needs to be transformed. And it gets transformed from being a restless evil that is set on fire by hell to being a heart that is full, that's set free to declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. The only thing that's going to heal my tongue, that's going to heal the inner narrative, the, the words that I repeat to myself, is a healed heart. 
So let's talk for a second about healed hearts and healed tongues, and then we'll come to the table. Because this table speaks greater words to us, right? The gospel heals our hearts and therefore heals our words. Later in James, James 4, the next chapter, he goes on and talks about all this conflict that's going on, all these desires that are waging war inside of you. And he basically says, how is all this fighting, how is all this conflict going to be healed? And he says this in James 4. He says, I'm jealous for the Spirit of God to dwell in you. I'm jealous for the Spirit of God to dwell in you. That's what's going to do it. What's he saying there? Why does that matter? Why is he saying that if we're going to live with spirit-tamed tongues, right? Or what the New Testament and other places would call self-control with our mouths. A bridled tongue by the Lord. If we're going to live with self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit, it's not a fruit of self-effort or discipline, we need a new heart and a new spirit to do that, right? So James is saying, man, I, I'm, I'm jealous for the Spirit of God to dwell in you because I know when that happens, it transforms everything that comes out of your mouth. That's why he says in James 4, right after that, I jealously long for the Spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. But he gives more grace, right? One of the greatest graces he's ever given us, certainly he's given us the forgiveness of our sins, but he said that I've given you a new heart and I've given you a new spirit. I've given you a new operating system. You don't work the way the world works anymore. That's why Galatians says in Galatians 5, if you live by the Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit. You can have the Spirit of God and not live as one who has the Spirit of God. And he says you, you can't tame the tongue. He says there at the very beginning, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. We're not perfect. James isn't talking about us trying to be perfect. He's saying keep coming to him who is perfect, to the true well of living water. Come to the one who's given you a new heart and given you a new spirit and wants to give you words so you have words to give. In Ecclesiastes 5, I could have preached out of this, it says, guard your steps. I'm going to start leading this to the table now. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Because that's where you're at right now. You're not in a school cafeteria. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. As a dream comes when there are many cares, many words mark the speech of a fool. When we come to this table, we come to this table to listen. 
right? Rather than to speak, and what do you hear when you come to this table? You know, David said, I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you aren't familiar with the scriptures, you're not going to know what the voice of the Lord sounds like. You're going to be imagining what you think he would say to you rather than what he says to you. Let me, let me give you some of the things that he says to you if you're hearing him. And if you're not hearing these things and you're hearing things different than this, then you're not hearing the Lord. Here's what you hear. Son, daughter, heir, co-heir, beloved, chosen, precious, holy, whole, wanted, liked, not alone, never alone. You have hope. You have a future. It's safe. You're secure. I have promises made to you. You will have glory, bliss, unending joy, eternity. That's what this table speaks when you come to this table. Those words to you, to me. And when we eat those words, something happens. I won't say a whole lot more, but Proverbs 15, I read it earlier, says this. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. When you hear that phrase, tree of life, if you're familiar with the word, there should be a part of you that goes, ding, 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 whoa, tree of life. The tree of life was in the garden, right? There were two trees that were spoken of in the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, one that we were to eat from and one that we weren't, Right? Tree of Life's also in Revelation 22. The only other place that the Tree of Life is mentioned in the entire Bible is in Proverbs. That should cause us a pause and say, whoa, this must be significant. Because it's talking about the tongue. And it's saying that the tongue actually gives us, words actually give us access to the Tree of Life. This tree that was lost in the garden and will be fully accessed in Revelation, that the way that I use my words and the way that words have their way with me actually has the opportunity. And you're going to have to meditate on this. I can't explain this to you because in some ways I'm still trying to get my head around it. We can borrow from that tree of life and bring it into the here and now. You're bringing eternity and all the truth into your life and into the lives of others. You have access to the tree of life now through words, through his words and through the words that we give. Listen to this from Revelation. And then an angel showed me the river of water of life. It's clear, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down to the middle of this great city and on each of the rivers stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and no longer will there be any curse. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. 
They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. That tree that's at the center of the city, you realize that, that the, words, the words we're talking about this morning give you access to that tree? Doesn't that make church more important? It's not just going to church. We're going to the tree of life. Doesn't that make the words that I give matter? Because I can be either giving you words from the tree of life or I'm giving you something else. Isaiah says it like this. When a king reigns in righteousness and rulers rule in justice, each one of them, he's talking about us, us the rulers, we become a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the storm, streams of water in the desert, a shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. That's what you become. You become an oak of righteousness. You become that tree of life. And what happens? The eyes of those who see will no longer be closed. The ears of those who hear will listen. The fearful heart will know and understand. Listen to all the language about words. The fearful heart will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. There's power in our words. What heals our words is a healed heart. And so, would you come to the table this morning? Because when we come to the table, if you're in Christ, you come to feed on His words. Like some of you are struggling with forgiving people right now for words that they've said to you. You, you actually feed on the wound, and you've turned those words over and over in your life, and they've, they've bittered you. They've made you a stone. And what does it say here? Instead of cursing... <laughs> With one tongue, we praise the Lord our Father. With the other tongue, we curse human beings. Instead of saying, hey, stop cursing those people. Just forgive those people. What does he say that the actual key to forgiving those people is this? With the tongue, we praise our Lord. And with it, we curse human beings. He's not saying stop cursing human beings. He's saying you were meant to praise the Lord. And what do we praise the Lord for? At least one of the things we praise the Lord for at this table is the words that he said to us and to others when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So I boast in him and his forgiveness of me. And when I boast in that, when I praise him for his forgiveness of me, I stop cursing other people. When I behold him, then I can begin to behold him in them. I see them as created in his image, just like me, needing his grace, right? So come to this table Hear his words to you, son, daughter. Hear the Lord your God is with you, a mighty warrior who saves, who takes great delight in you. In his love, he no longer rebukes you, but rejoices over you with singing. And he gave us this meal because he says, you've got to eat on these words all the time. Do this often in remembrance of me. This meal is my word to you. It's, it's remembering my forgiveness of you. It's remembering that I've given you a new heart and a new spirit. And you need to spiritually have that heart fed with the truth. So if you're in Christ, come this morning. Run this morning. And I would encourage you, come like Ecclesiastes 5 says, come and listen. Ask him, Lord, what do you have to say to me about my tongue? How do you want to heal it? How do you want to heal my heart? If you're not in Christ this morning, and maybe you're blowing your world up with your mouth, would you dare to believe that he wants to heal your heart and he wants to give you a new tongue that brings life and not death? 
And for those of us, at least for me, I know this was a, a very convicting preparation uh, as someone who I think has a reckless mouth a lot of days. Um, it's really been a great opportunity to examine my heart and my mouth and ask, what, what words am I listening to and how is my tongue reflecting that? And what would it look like to listen to the words of the Lord? So I'm going to pray for us here in a second. There'll be people up here prepared to serve y'all as you come forward. Uh, put out your hands, uh, and they will give you the elements. If you're gluten-free, you can come over here to the far side. Um, use this time as an opportunity to pray, to meditate, and to listen uh, to the Lord. Uh, come down the middles and exit down the sides. If you're bringing your children up with you um, and they're not partaking of the sacrament, just help the server know that, but it's great for them to come up with you <laughs> to, to see in, in many ways by your actions where you're saying my faith is, which is in Christ alone. These are the words of life. Um, and so help the server know if your child is not taking communion. And then if you need prayer, you might need to hear someone else's words this morning <laughs> um, because you're so familiar with, with the narrative in your own head. If you need prayer, would you cross your arms and somebody would be happy to pray for you, okay? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you um, that you... Um, <laughs> I think in many ways it's why you instituted and said, worship me uh, often. Feed on this meal often uh, because you're going to forget. You've got to do this in remembrance of me. You've got to remember this new covenant in my blood uh, to you because um, there's a competition for the words uh, and the truth, and there has been uh, since the creation of the world. And so, Lord, would you recreate us <laughs> this morning? Would you speak? And bring new life into places of death. Uh, and would you heal our hearts and heal our tongues at this table in your name.